Love the British monarchy? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Hi, guys. Kinsey Schofield here with the To Die For Daily podcast. Earlier this morning, I talked to Talk TV's Christo Fufas, a friend of the podcast, um, about my reaction to The Crown season five. It's a fun conversation, so I decided that I would share it here with you right here on the Today for Daily podcast. I hope you enjoy. Let me know what you thought about The Crown. You can tweet me or you can email me at todayfordaily.com. I've immersed myself in The Crown, by the way. I watched so much of it last night. Im indoors went out. So pizza and The Crown. Oh, it was the most perfect evening. I tried not to watch too much of it because I'm trying to savour it. I don't want to completely watch every single episode. Uh, but I can't wait to find out what Kinsey Schofield has to say about this. That's our royal correspondent. She runs the website to dieforDaily.com. It's one of the world's biggest royal websites. And she, of course, is always here on a weekly basis for our Right Royal Roundup. And she joins us now. Morning to you, Kinsey Schofield. I can't believe that you have the discipline to space out these episodes. I sat in front of my television for 10 hours. <laughs> well, I find when I do that, it's all merged into... I did that in the last series, and I felt like it was all merged into one, and I, I didn't have enough time to process it, and I couldn't distinguish between the episodes. Also, I do have him indoors to consider, and he he does tend to say, like, after about three episodes, enough! I mean, in fairness, I've done seven episodes since Wednesday evening. And the first yeah, evening, no. I oh, only did two because... Um, okay, well, firstly, what is your verdict? Have you done all ten episodes, right? Yeah. Obviously, you did, you, did, you did it literally ten hours to the second after they dropped on Netflix. All ten had been watched. Um, what is your verdict of the casting and the new series in general so far? Well, first of all, Dominic West is such a daddy. I don't know if he's appropriate for Prince Charles in the 90s, but he is so very handsome. And uh, I got a kick out of watching him. But I can I just say, I feel like we freaked out a little bit about how potentially bad this could be for the royal family. But I think this paints Prince Charles in, in the 90s now King Charles, as a very mature individual, as a strategic individual, and a very likable character. I really think that we over, perhaps overreacted on the damage that this series and season could do for his new reign, because I thought I mean, I found him to be very likable throughout the um, throughout the series. And um, I thought Elizabeth Debicki was the most graceful, stunning, incredible Diana. Did I love the writing? I didn't. But the way she moved and the way she spoke and, and just that long, lean figure, I was enamored. Um, OK, let's break this down a little because I found the first couple of episodes dull really really dull um the episode and it must have been netflix thinking all of their christmases come came together the episode where where charles supposedly 
tells John Major that he thinks that the that the Queen should consider abdicating because of the sort of the Victoria, the Queen Victoria syndrome on the throne too long. I mean, that was an absolute storm in a teacup. That really was barely said in the way in which it was portrayed. And so John Major and these various figures who were condemning that netflix must have thought well actually what we've done really doesn't it alludes to it but it doesn't actually outline that so they must have been thrilled with that publicity um, i thought right. from episode three onwards where they actually tell the life story of Mohammed al-fayed setting it up perfectly for for later i thought from then on it became brilliant but the first two i found very dull see I understand the Alpha. I understand why it's important to paint Alphayed and because we're going to have the introduction of Doty, but I also don't like how much backstory we're getting there because I feel like she, you skipped over James Hewitt, which was a very, very serious relationship. I mean, to the point where people. Why would they have done that? To the point where people still to this day debate whether or not James Hewitt is Prince Harry's father. I mean, how do you just skate over James Hewitt? And then um, Dr. Khan, who I think was one of her true, true, deep, deep loves, is just, a, a, when you get to the end, you'll see he's a flash in the pan. And oh, we're so, going I, to spend... I'm at the episode now where they've sort of started dating and they've shared a bag of crisps and stuff. And... Uh... <laughs> and gone to the cinema and i thought that was quite beautiful i did think that was quite beautiful well enjoy it because he's gone oh. uh, he's he's gone as quickly as he comes and does james and hewitt not feature at all in it he was in season four for towards the end of the series and it was really not touched upon it was just we she's back seeing james hewitt and that you know maybe you saw three seconds of her with him but she, you did not get the fact that he trained the boys to ride he was staying in the in the house on the weekends they were calling him uncle james i mean really they they missed out on so much I that could have been and gone into about James Do you think that that is for in, entirely the reason that you have just outlined because of those rumours, which I actually happen not to believe because I think Prince Harry is the, the, the absolute, he, well, he's looking more like Charles every day, like the top True. half That's of his face. Like right here? Abs- oh, yeah. my God, oh my God, yes. God, absolutely yes. identical. And he's the absolute <laughs> image of Prince Philip um, at a similar or maybe slightly younger age. So I think certainly when he was growing up, um, people could look at that and, 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 and wonder, but he's the absolute image of his father and his grandfather. But do you think that to spare Harry that speculation, um, uh, bearing in mind the deal they've got with Harry, perhaps it was a decision to gloss over that? Or I don't know, because it, or perhaps there wasn't enough drama in that relationship. What do you think? Well, oh my gosh, there wasn't enough drama. He, they break up and he goes and writes Princess in Love and admits to this affair before her panorama interview. So he goes and releases Princess in Love. And this is a book about their love affair. And he says that they had, relations at Althorpe. Like, like he goes into where they might have had the little fancy time. Um, so no, I mean, there's plenty of drama well, right, there. That was I, 30th of March, 1995. And the Panorama interview was later that year. 
Yep. So, I mean, I have no idea why it was excluded, but to me, it's almost, it would almost be more beneficial for Charles if they went more into some of these relationships. And you saw that there were more than just, um, Dr. Khan. And I mean, we did see Hewitt briefly, but I just think that, you know, the arguments being made that Diana had a lot of relationships and Charles just had Camilla. Now that's not technically true. He did see people on top of Diana and Camilla, Barbara Streisand, but, um, Oh, I didn't know Barbara Streisand. Did he have a, did he have a companionship? Uh, What's interesting in there is they talk about companionship a lot. Um, was there a companionship between Prince Charles and, and Barbara Streisand? Babs says yes, and I don't. I don't think Charles has ever commented on it, but Babs says yes. I mean, and, that um, is all I can think about are those two noses. <laughs> that's all like that. I just have a vision of of, of two noses coming together. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, but no, I mean it's it's great. I just I think that um, for somebody that she dated, she dates Dodie for what three weeks before she dies. I just feel like we're investing a lot of time in Dodie and that backstory. And then additionally, you do meet Dodie's fiance, who he was engaged to when he started dating Diana. And please God, in season six, let us see Gloria Allred and the press release that are the press conference that Gloria Allred called with Dodie's fiance when he broke off the engagement where they ripped into Diana and Dodie in front of the world. Do you remember this press yeah, conference, I do Gloria Allred? I had I'd forgotten it till till now, but you're you're right. That did that did happen, but I wonder if um they will they will stick to that as well. So 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 where do we get to by episode ten? Where 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 does it end? Well, by episode 10, where does, where does it end? Oh my, well, the, you just described my issue. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm just that, that, that's why I, that's why I can't. I absolutely loved the Mohammed Al-Fayed episode. I thought it was so brilliant as to why this man was so obsessed with the royals. I don't know how much of yeah. it was true, but I think the way in which it, it, it set up how the British establishment had rejected, rejected him, him despite everything that he'd done by buying Edward VIII's villa, by buying Harrods, the Queen not sitting next to him, them seeing him as this sort of slightly tacky, slightly gauche character who threw money at things. And his... that, it, that was that was accurate. How cute was Diana sitting next to him at that event? How great! How and Elizabeth that's where they ended. Right the episode as if to say, right, now there is the seed of this friendship between Mohammed Al-Fayed and Diana, you know, to be continued. I loved that episode. And I loved the friendship between Mohammed Al-Fayed and his, his personal valet, who was the former valet to Edward VIII and how they became friends. And when he bought the Ritz, I, I thought that that was absolutely brilliant. I really did. I, I thought it was so refreshing. And at that point, I suddenly became interested again because the, the previous episodes, the one where they'd gone on holiday to Italy, it was, they were dull. They were yeah, absolutely I did. dull. I... The, the fighting between Dominic West and Elizabeth Debicki was cringe. I didn't enjoy any and of she that. she was also about three foot taller than him. 
But uh, but Diana was a lot taller than Charles. She just wore flat shoes at the beginning of their relationship to try to avoid um, that that visual. But you're right. The, the, the Muhammad Al-Fayed episode is good, but we see a lot of Dodie later on and stuff that I just don't I don't I've never liked Dodie. So having to see him on a private jet doing drugs with his fiance, like I don't I don't like him. And so I'm. I don't want to see that stuff, but you'd see that later on. Um, but yeah, no, it, the way that it ends is Charles and Diana are, div- are separated and there's a fight. He comes over because, and he says, I don't know. My car just drove me here and they have some tender moments, but then there's a big fight and he storms off. You get so much Prince William in this series that I imagine that he's extremely uncomfortable by it. That's really where I, um, felt some sympathy. And Harry is mysteriously gone. So I take back what I said about him having no control because oh, no Harry gets a line in Harry. the Harry gets a line in the first episode, and then you don't. I mean, I'm now up to episode. I've done episode seven, so I've got eight, nine, and ten to watch. And and Harry doesn't exist. I mean, she could just yeah. have one child because he's, you don't. He's see... in the barn with James Hewitt. That's <laughs> yeah. why. Um, what do you think? Uh, okay, I'm going to say. Who I love and loathe, and you can tell me whether you agree. Elizabeth Becky as Diana, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The voice, the mannerisms, everything down to a T. Um, I think as well, Jonathan Price as Prince Philip, brilliant. Absolutely great. Loved that casting. I am not really convinced by Imelda Staunton as the Queen. Now, why? Because something isn't gelling with me, and I don't know why. I don't know whether it's such a big change from Olivia Coleman, the fact that she's about three foot shorter and doesn't have the stature. I mean, there's a big thing. She's the, she, you know, she, she's so tiny in comparison to anyone else on screen, and that doesn't work for me. I've no idea, Kinsey, what is going on with her skirts. And why her skirts, like, they've not tailored any clothes to her height. It's like they've stuck her in the clothes that the Queen would wear. So her skirts are so much longer and so much higher around the waist. I don't know if you noticed that, but I I just keep saying, you have to watch it again and, and be on skirt watch. Because sometimes they are literally under her bust. And, and you just think, well, this just doesn't make any sense. Um, um I did think she was a lot softer. Than Olivia Coleman. Yes, yes. And it's like she's had a complete personality bypass. Olivia Coleman absolutely, I think, got how aloof the Queen could be and how she had these moments of absolute tenderness, but she was with her own family and her own children, certainly Charles, quite aloof. Um, but but she's she's sort of too warm and cuddly, and I just I don't know why it's not working. I don't know why it's not working for me. But you but you disagree, right? I mean, I did enjoy her, but I didn't like Olivia Coleman, so maybe I'm just swapping them out. Um I did enjoy her. Um I didn't think we saw as much of her this season as we saw last season. Um I liked I you know, I did think that seeing her with William was very sweet yes. and that was very unique. Um but the you know, if I'd say who really surprised me aside from Elizabeth Debicki and Dominic West was the the woman that plays Camilla. I thought she was incredible. 
yeah, she is very, very good. And of course, uh, the detail that we get from the they they were the Squidgy Gate tapes, weren't they? Where was that Squidgy Gate or was that Camilla Gate? That was Camilla Gate, or Camilla it's Gate. called something else that it's too early to say. <laughs> yes, and that was where there was perhaps let's just say that a certain brand of sanitary product um, <laughs> will be thrilled. <laughs> At the moment, absolutely, it's, it's, money can't buy advertising. Money can't buy that advertising <laughs> worldwide that they will be getting from the episode which features Camilla Gate in great detail. But what they did brilliantly in that was actually Charles comes off very sympathetically in that yeah. episode, and 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 it's amazing. I thought that that would be Charles's ultimate humiliation, but in that episode, actually, he comes back. Um, just, just, just absolutely comes out brilliantly in that. When we come back, we'll talk about more of the casting of The Crown, some of the standout moments from this series. We will talk as well about how they portrayed that interview, the lead up to the panorama interview, and whether they did that justice, whether that should have been featured at all. We'll also talk about what the Royals are up to today on Remembrance Sunday, all with our Royal Correspondent, Kinsey Schofield, all here live from the Talk Radio studio. This is Talk TV. Morning, Christo here on Talk TV. After six, we will start looking in the newspapers, we'll talk more about those protests last night or yesterday afternoon in London. And uh, Thatcherism, do we need a return to it? And of course, Thatcherism, something that featured in the last series of The Crown, this series. And still joined by Kinsey Schofield for our right Royal Roundup and our lowdown on the latest series of The Crown, which dropped on Wednesday evening. It's the royal story everyone's discussing. Uh, founder of To Die For Daily still joins me here on Talk TV. Uh, we got um, Johnny Lee Miller playing John Major. Now, he's very good as John Major, but I shouldn't find John Major attractive, and it goes against everything that I stand for. That's exactly how I felt when I was watching it. Between him and Prince Charles, I was like, I'm physically attracted to these people and I don't understand. Perhaps it's the sleep deprivation. But it's just, you know, casting that we, we lucked out in the casting department. I don't know if it's necessarily the best or the most realistic casting, I guess I should say, but excellent casting. But, but is, that, is, is that actually wrong? Because... You know, Dominic West is not as good a Charles as we nope. had in the last two series at all. And at sometimes I feel like, well, you're not even doing a particularly good impression of of Charles. And I can't help but wonder whether, because he's Dominic West, he got the part rather than perhaps the best person to play Charles could have got the part. John Ely Miller is much better as John Major. But we shouldn't be finding John Major attractive. So I would argue that perhaps they're not the best casting choices. Right. Um, well, I mean, I I felt like John Major, at least, he, he really transformed into somebody else. And he gave it his all. I agree. With Dominic, with Dominic West, I felt really felt like I was watching Dominic West. And I like Dominic West, so I enjoyed Dominic West. But I was not watching... Prince Charles, um, but I tolerated it because I love Dominic West. 
Uh, but he did. He really, he rarely did the thing that with his hands that Josh O'Connor did a lot. Yeah, and he doesn't. He doesn't do the touching of the lapel, touching of yeah. the sleeve, putting mm-hmm. his hand in his pocket, with, and he does that every time he gets out of a car. Prince Charles right. puts his hand in his pocket, then he touches his lapel, then he puts it back in his pocket, then he touches his feet. You know, he's got this strange OCD ish esque <laughs> routine whenever he arrives, and he didn't do any of it. None of it. And even the voice, I saw him in some interview explaining how he did the voice. And he's like, oh, I just barely opened my mouth. And I was like, "You, what voice? All I heard was Dominic West. Yeah. I mean, I didn't hear anything. I would say that Josh O'Connor was a much better Prince Charles. In and and, the and is, that, is that a mistake? I mean, is the crown needing to change its cast every two years? Are they actually letting people go? Because Josh O'Connor could have played without a doubt with uh, some makeup and a bit of prosthetics, the older Charles, and done a brilliant job at it. And so do you think that this changing of the cast for the sake of it actually isn't always the best idea? I think it's a situation where they find such incredible actors that they, that's not realistic. It's not realistic to ask somebody to play Queen Elizabeth or Prince Charles for four seasons, consecutive seasons, when you have talent like Olivia Coleman or you have talent like Josh O'Connor that are busy working actors. Dominic West, I don't think, could have ever committed to four years. But that's not, that's seasons. not a problem. <laughs> for four seasons. So I you know, there there was that incredible show on HBO with Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman. I don't know if you remember that. It was an incredible Big cast, Laura Dern. Yes. And they were like, Yeah, we'd love to do it, but we just can't rally all of these big names up to, you know, to to, to that was try to do season two. Wonderful and uh uh, Meryl Streep in that as well was just, just uh, what what was interesting about that was that it, Meryl Streep's character was kind of okay, 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 but it was all building up to one scene where she was then just phenomenal. Where you thought, okay, that's why they've got Meryl Streep. Yep, you know, there exactly she is. Why. There she is. Um, but I think it's sincerely just one of those situations where they couldn't ask some people to commit. We get Claire Foy though, thank God. We get our little Claire Foy. Well, I was going to say, if they're not committing to more than one series, Claire Foy is in it practically more than Imelda Staunton. Ah, they've dragged true. her out, they've wheeled her out for practically <laughs> for flashbacks in practically every episode. Uh, I have to say, Leslie Manville as, as uh, Princess Margaret, a joy to watch. Really? I just, I thought compared to um, Helena Bonham Carter, it was like, it was the, the characters were too different. I didn't feel like we, she was so much softer than she was last season, but that, you know, it's the opposite of the queen. Is that not because she's older though and is a, is a bit more, bit less party orientated and just a bit more bitter? Yeah, but she wasn't like what I liked about, um, season three and four, Margaret was that she was bitter and sharp and this Margaret was a little softer. In- interesting. And what do you think as well about, um, we've spoken a lot, you and I, about the panorama interview being created for the crown now i haven't got to the episode yet where the interview is actually aired but i've got to the episode which is episode seven where it's the run-up to the interview and um martin Bashir is seen faking the bank statements which he shows to um not only um 
Diana, but her brother as well, Charles Spencer, and show and, and basically tells Diana through these bank statements that her entire staff is selling secrets on her. Her personal private but secretary. Specifically Patrick Jepson, who I mean that that I mean the BBC just had to pay him out big time because of that, because he lost his job with her. Yeah. Uh, and the BBC just had to pay him out for uh, that loss of income and opportunity. Uh so no, it's really interesting to see that. And you know, I was I'm, I was very Team William originally when he came out and asked that the BBC not ever show that again. But the more that I think about it, the more I start to agree with some of these older biographers like Andrew Morton, who said in in stopping to in stopping that interview and in stopping ever showing that interview again, you're silencing Diana because no matter how they acquired that interview, those were still her feelings and those were still her words, and she was in a at a desperate point to share them. So I I kind of I get it. Um, I, I'm sorry, I, I, but I, I get think it. It's a fine line because some of what she was saying in that interview was driven by the paranoia that Martin Bashir instilled in her by showing her those duplicitous statements and the like. So um, I don't think we can take absolutely everything that she says in that interview as her true feelings because they're feelings driven by him um, soaking lying. her paranoia and lying to her. My question is, though, do you think that enough is made in the crown of the duplicity of Martin Bashir, because there's one scene where you see that he's asking the graphics department to fake the bank statements, but then you don't see anything more about it. You miss that scene, you would think that he's presenting uh, true bank statements. So do, no. you, do you think enough no. is made of Spoiler that? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It's excellently built up in the next episode. Oh, brilliant. Where, All right. Because where I... Earl Spencer starts looking over the notes from the previous meeting and his meeting. And then Martin Bashir, I don't think, I don't know if this really happened. This is something I can't wait to find out if this really happened. If we ever find out, I mean, we likely won't. But there's a scene in a car where Diana says, my brother's concerned about you. And Martin Bashir tries to turn Diana again. Against Earl that, Spencer, that, against her so, brother. So, because uh, as I watched it, I actually realised, and, and I think it sounds like you had a similar thought as well, that, you know what, this is brilliant. We need to actually, whereas before I, I said to you, I'm not sure it's appropriate that this interview is staged, the fact that they included Martin Bashir's duplicity, I actually think it's really important. I've completely changed my view about this being shown, the panorama interview being shown, because actually historically people need to know that she did it based on lies and if i was william i would be stomaching actually that being on the netflix series because at least it is telling millions of people in the world that his mother was duped a vulnerable woman by an absolutely repugnant piece of filth like martin bashir horrific man was absolutely conned and her vulnerability exploited in order to do that interview and the world will now be reminded of that some people will be realizing that for the first time and that's a really really important um uh, historical lesson that we need to see I agree. Um, will it outweigh William's scene where he's begging his mom to stop calling him and telling her about his love life? I don't know. I think okay. he'd rather just be excluded altogether. 
Thank you for listening to the To Die For Daily Podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Please subscribe to hear more from your favorite royal commentators. Cheers.